I was wondering how many folks were going to be here, I have to, I have to admit. So I thank you. Y'all can be seated. You know I put my scriptures somewhere in the middle. But um, it's good to see you all today in the house of the Lord. This is the right place to be on the first day of the new year. Amen. Valjean was telling me as I walked in this morning, he said, I'm glad to be here because, you know, they say that whatever you do on New Year's Day, that's what you're going to do all year long. And <laughs> I said, amen, brother. That's, that's what we're going to do. Pastor Dell and Miss um, Jill are out of town. They will be back uh, this afternoon sometime, I think. Um, of course, they send their love to you um, and know that their heart is here with you. And I just thank them for the opportunity to speak to you. I'm not going to have you here too long, I don't think. Because um, I know y'all probably have collard greens and black-eyed peas on the stove, right? <laughs> right waiting to get home to that. <clears throat> but I do want to um, remind you guys about Wednesday night. Ron mentioned it. <coughs> Excuse me. We are having that this Wednesday night, 6.30. We'll have a meal and 7 o'clock, um, Pastor Dell and uh, Pastor Callaway will be here again. It's a little round table answering some questions. Um, it's a little give and take back and forth. So please uh, be here. If you can be here, uh, those first Wednesdays are really great. Um, and so please come, because that's actually a time you get to ask questions. You don't get to ask questions on Sunday but you do on Wednesday, so come on out and be a part of that. But before we get started, too, it's just on my heart. Um, many of you know we've got some folks in the hospital that are dealing with some serious situations. Um, we've got Marta's husband, Mike, um, who's been in there over a month in ICU. Um, we're praying. We're going to pray for him. <clears throat> we've got um, Miss Linda Wood, who is... Um, who the doctors are saying that's all they can do. But we know a man and a God who's bigger than that. And she's there. And um, those of you who know Pastor Jean and Leroy Jack, Mr. Leroy has been in the hospital in ICU for about a month. Um, he's alert and doing well, but uh, just get, trying to get his body to cooperate. So while we're here corporately, and those are all people that are near and dear to our hearts that we love. Let's pray and, and just declare life and healing over them before we get started, okay? So, Father, I just thank you that you are the God that has healing in your wings. I thank you, Lord, that you are the God of life. Father God, and so we lift each and every one of these people up to you specifically. We lift up Mike Hardy to you. We lift up Linda Wood to you. We lift up Leroy Jack to you and their families. And for those, Lord, that we may not be aware of that need healing, we bring those before your throne also. Because your word says that we can come boldly before the throne of grace and we can declare and put out there what we want. And where two or more agree, it shall be done. And we will speak heaven's language until you tell us not to. 
And so, Father, we speak life over each and every one of them right now. We command their bodies to line up with your word, that healing would just course through their bodies, Father God, that miracles would happen and testimonies would come forth, Father. We thank you for the peace that surpasses all understanding to be not only upon them, but upon their family. We thank you for the joy of the Lord to rise up in each and every one of them as that is our strength, your word says. And so, Lord, we just put it forth in the atmosphere atmosphere. We declare it. We believe it. We stand on it in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen and amen. Amen. Well, thank you, everybody. And um, I, I really am going to get to the word here in a second. But worship team, thank you this morning. I was undone. And that the last song... Yes, the last song was especially um, touched my heart because when I got saved back in 1987, I think that was Maranatha who brought the, that music forth, and that was what was popular when I was saved, and so I did a lot of singing of that song and lifting that up to the Lord, and when my husband and I met in Iceland, we're going, uh, coming up on 29 years being married, and that's what we were singing in the church service together when we were dating. So, um, those song, so worship was great, and for my husband, go dogs. <laughs> All right, well, let's go ahead and get to the word here. Um, you know, this of course, is going to be a New Year's message because that's the frame of mind we are all in, right? It's a new year. Everything's fresh and new. We want to put all the disappointments of 2022 in the past. We want to put all the heartbreak, whatever the struggles were that we went through in 2022, we want to leave them in 2022. And so we're going to talk a little bit about that. We're going to talk a little bit about New Year's resolutions. Oh, yay. Right? One day I'll lose those pounds that I declared I was going to lose 20 years ago. But um, anyway, we're going to talk about that. And, you know, I've seen this being posted on Facebook. A lot of you all probably posted this. Um, or if you haven't, you've read it. But I want to read it because actually there's some good things here. It says, I'm not taking anything from 2022 with me into 2023. If you owe me, don't worry about it. If you wronged me, it's all good. If you're beefing with me, you won. If you aren't speaking, if we aren't speaking, it's cool, be safe. I still wish you well. If you're talking about me, thanks for the advertisement. <laughs> If you don't like me, it's okay. I like me. At least I can say that some of the time. If you left me hanging, don't worry. God picked me up. <clears throat> Amen. If you wronged me, if I wronged you, I apologize from my heart. In all things, I forgive you and please forgive me. Life is too short for all the unnecessary drama. No one is promised tomorrow. I will go into 2023 carrying 2020, uh, not carrying 2022 burdens and pain. So I read, when, as I read through all that, you know, I thought to myself, well, how cliche. You see that every year, you know. But it's true. We need to leave those things in the past. 
If you don't want to hang on to negative attitudes and the things that will draw you down, you know, the world says get rid of all the negativity. And they don't understand the spiritual impact behind that. But there's great truth to that. That um, it's not that we bury our heads in the sand and we don't acknowledge that negative things happen in our life that we have to deal with. But those are not, that's not the place we live. That's not how we speak. That's not how we walk forward. And if you are a person who wants to let go of that and live in righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost, because the Bible says that is the kingdom of God, then I know a man who can show you the way. He can show it to you step by step because he walked the same exact path that we're walking. And he was able to live in righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. And while we have all experienced very difficult times, and I'm sure some of you, um, there's probably some horrific things in people's paths in here that we don't know about. But I would say that most people probably have not walked the the uh, devastating road that Christ himself walked in human flesh. Most of us have not experienced betrayal at that level. Most of us have not experienced rejection at that level, humiliation at that level, physical pain at that level. But he did, and he was able to walk in righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. And he can show you the way to, ha- to dispel the darkness, to bring light into that place. If you're walking in despair, if you're walking in depression, if you're walking in anxiety, he can show you how light can dispel it all. And he can show you how to open up your spirit, open up your soul, and allow that light to come in and dispel what you're walking through. If you're walking through difficult times and rough times, he can show you how to get the strength that you need to walk through it. If you're walking through times that are very complex and you just don't know what the next answer is, he can give you the wisdom that you need to get through it. And, you know, we make these New Year's resolutions, and let me just tell you, these are the top 10 New Year's resolutions for 2023, supposedly. See if any of these are on your list. Exercise more. Lose weight. Get organized, learn a new skill or hobby, live life to the fullest, save more money and spend less, less. quit smoking, spend more time with family and friends, travel more, and read more. So all of those are great resolutions, right? We can't deny that if we could do those things, our life would probably be enhanced, it would be fulfilled more than what it is now. But I would suggest to you that you don't need all those resolutions. I would suggest to you that you only need one resolution. And I'm going to tell you what that resolution is. But before we get started on that resolution, 
Because if you make this one resolution, this is what I can guarantee you, is that all those other resolutions will fall into place. You won't have to struggle and strain and strive to make those things come to pass. This one resolution will make it all come to pass for you. But before we get into what the resolution is, I want to go ahead and lay a foundation for you. And if you're a regular here, this is just review, okay? But we can't hear it enough. So I'm going to go ahead and go over it again. Um, we have to get in our minds a right view of the Father. You cannot start building on a foundation that is cracked and crumbling. Because anything you build on that will not stand. How many construction people do we have in the house? I know Jimmy for sure. All right. You know that the foundation you start on has got to be solid. Right? All right. So the first thing we have to do is get a right view of who the Father is. We have to know that the Father loves his children. If we have a view of the Father that... He is the judge that is just looking to punish us, then the resolution I'm going to give you is just not going to work for you. All right? Because you'll never trust the Father. So you have to have a right, have a right view of him. You have to know that he loves his children and that he desires to be in relationship with you. He desires to bless you. And I'm purposefully using the word you because sometimes when we're in church, you know, people are talking, the pastor's talking, and we think, oh, yeah, well, that's good for sister so-and-so because she's got it all together, or that's good for brother so-and-so because, you know, he always comes in looking good. He's obviously got things together. But, well, number one, you don't go home with them behind closed doors, so you don't know what they have together or not number one. But number two, God is a personal God. He knows your name. He knows the number of hairs on your head. And, you know, Pastor, um, when he first brought that revelation years and years ago, that when the Bible said he knows the number of hairs on your head, he doesn't know that there's, you know, one million hairs on your head. He knows that hair number 988 just fell out. Okay, that's how detailed he knows you. And so you need to make this personal. You need to stop the voices that would tell you differently and give you false accusation against the Father. And you need to trust in this. And you need to believe in this. You need to know the great sacrifice Jesus made for you even when you were yet a sinner. While you were cursing him and saying that he didn't exist, or he might exist, but you, he didn't care about you personally, when you were cooperating with darkness in your life and, and living um, the life that would take you into the darkest places, that's when Christ died for you. Right there. That's when he looked at you and said, in, in the midst of all the mess that you're in right now, he came right into that place of darkness that you were at. And whether you realize it or not, he held you in his hands and he said, you I love. 
You I do this for. You may not realize it right now, but you will. You will. And I love you so much. Jesus displayed the Father's heart. The Holy Spirit is the conduit through which the Father speaks and teaches and comforts and, and loves us. See, whatever you see in Jesus, the compassion, the love, the mercy, the grace, the healing, whatever you see in Jesus, the only reason you see it in Jesus is because he is an exact representation of the heart of the Father. That's the Father's heart, you see. The Holy Spirit speaks only what the Father is speaking towards you. And so we have to get rid of this view that we've had of God, some of us, being raised up, that God was the judge. You hear pastors say this all the time, God was the, God's the judge, Jesus is the nice one, and the Spirit is just floating around doing whatever the spirit does like the wind see we have to get the we have to put things in proper perspective and realize that the three are one they don't operate independent of one another they they don't contradict one another they don't have their own agenda they are one and the heart of them is to bring us into their union together with them, that we are a part of that family, that we are with them. See, that's the foundation that you have got to get settled in your heart. Now, this was all put in place for us from the foundation of the earth. And it's there for anybody who wants it. The only thing we have to do is accept and believe on Jesus Christ. And then all these things are for us, right? But we have to believe that. We have to get that foundation straight. You know, um, Athanasius is an early church leader. And here's one of the things that he said about God. He said, the God of all is good and supremely noble by nature. Therefore, he is the lover of the human race. He is supremely noble by nature. And therefore, he is the lover of the human race. So the issue on the table that you have to settle right from Day one is, do you really believe that God is really good? Do you believe that? And is he really a lover of the human race? Is God for us? Or do you think that, well, there's a maybe in his heart? Maybe I'm for you. Maybe if you do it right, I'm for you. Do you think there's a maybe in his heart? And if we feel that there's a maybe in his heart, then we're not going to really have any rest or peace in our life. 
Because you're never going to, you know, the Bible tells us there's peace that surpasses all understanding. Well, if you don't believe that what God is really good and that there's a maybe in his heart towards you, if you don't really believe that he's a lover of the human race, there's no possible way that you can have rest and peace in the Lord. You can say you do, but you don't. Because there's always that something in the back of your mind that says, ah, if I mess it up, though, if I mess it up. And so you've got to settle that because you won't have rest and peace and you won't be able to really love God except for what you can get from him. So it starts to become like a manipulation game, right? Now, listen, I'm transparent enough to let you know that I used to do this back in the day, but it's like, okay, you know what? I really need some answered prayer, and I've kind of messed some things up. Don't know. It's got to be fixed, so I know. I'll tell you what, God. I will get up at 5 o'clock every morning, and I will read one chapter of the Bible, and I'll, write, I'll even write notes on it. I'll even write notes of what I read, and then I'll pray, and then at 6 o'clock, I'll start getting ready for work or whatever. So I'll start doing that. And so I did it. But the motivation of my heart was, see, I didn't really believe at that time that God loved me and that he was a lover of the human race, that he really did want to bless me. I believed that if I showed him how good I was, then he'd throw me a bone. And he'd say, okay, okay, Johanna, you prayed real good this week, so I guess... You know, that prayer is worthy of a week's worth of prayer, a, a week's worth of study time with me. Um, you fulfilled your quota. I'll go ahead. I mean, that's really the way, that's how my mind worked at the time. But, and so it, it, it was not necessarily because I was in love with God or I was in love with the Father that I would want to spend time with him or pray with him, to him. It was because I needed something. And so I figured this is the way I can get what I needed. It was like, you know, it's like little kids that come to you and try to manipulate you for that extra piece of candy or, you know, whatever it is. You know, well, I promise I'll be real, real good if you let me have an ice cream, you know. And so we have to get that settled. We have to get <clears throat> it settled and be secure in the knowledge that, the, that God, the God of all is good and supremely noble by nature, and therefore he is the lover of the human race. That's the foundation that's going to be unshakable and unmovable and solid enough for us to start building upon. So what is the one resolution that we should consider that will cause all the other resolutions and the desires of our heart to be in place? It's found in Matthew 6.33, and I know that you all have already figured it out by now. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. The Amplified says, but first and most importantly, seek or aim at, strive after, his kingdom and his righteousness, his way of doing and being right, the attitude and character of God. And all these things will be given to you also. 
So how, how does seeking after the kingdom of God work? And is it something that, you know, it says to strive for, but what they're saying, for, saying here is uh, to, aim, to seek is to aim at and strive after. So what they're saying here is that this needs to be a priority in our life. Is this something that you need? Is this going back to the law now and going back to works? Wait, I thought we were under grace. Now we're back to works? No, no, we're not back to works at all. Because this seeking after God is what will bring relationship. Seeking after him and his righteousness, this is what's going to bring forth the relationship in your life. All this means, really, is change the way you think. Change the way you think about things. Change the way you look at things. And not just in one area of your life. Change it. In, in every area of your life, when you're making business decisions, when you're dealing with other people in relationships, your, your thought should be, okay, how would, Father, what is your heart in this situation? What is your direction in this situation? Especially with relationships. What is your heart in this situation? You know, sometimes being right is not, is not the, the thing that matters most. Sometimes saving the relationship is the thing that matters most. And you have to think, okay, if I go in these... If, we have to remember, God is a God of life. Remember that always. There is no death in him. All right? So if you think that um, the, the direction that you're going, the words that you're going to speak, the directions that you're going, if that is not bringing life to a person and lifting a person up or lifting a relationship up, then that's the wrong thing. Because God, we are in the ministry of reconciliation. God is a God of love. Now, does that mean that you condone sin and you condone everything everybody's doing and you just pat them on the back and say, oh, that's okay, brother, that's okay? No, no. But what I do mean is you don't have to be hateful. You don't have to tear people down. You don't have to destroy their dignity and their, you don't have to dishonor them. You can back away and keep your mouth quiet without tearing somebody to shreds, right? When we seek the kingdom of God and when we go after him and we start asking the question, what would you have me do in this situation? What is your heart towards this situation? What is your heart towards this person? When you start asking those questions, you start to hear the Father's voice. You start to speak the way he speaks. You start to act the way he acts. Your heart starts to break for the things that break his heart. Your heart starts to rejoice for the things that his heart rejoices for. You know, the Bible says that he'll give us the desires of our heart. Well, a lot of people 
we've all, most of us, or a lot of us, I think, have probably gone through the name it and claim it phase of Christianity, right? You claim the Porsche long enough and it's going to show up in your driveway mysteriously, right? Okay, because that's the desire of my heart. I always want to drive a Porsche. All right, well, that's not what that means, you see, because as we develop a heart for the Father, as we're in relationship with the Father, the desires of our heart change. The desires of our heart start to align with the desires of his heart. And it's not even something that you have to strive for and make happen. It's just a natural progression of your relationship with the Father. Have you ever, I think I've told this story here before, you know, when I was a high school, in high school, um, I was not the best student in the world, and I didn't hang out with the best crowd. But I was a solid C student boy. You can count on that. Any, anywhere between a 72 and a 78, that's what's going to be on my report card. And um, I started hanging around this group of kids, and I'm not even sure how I got involved. Oh, I was in Civil Air Patrol. Anybody ever heard about Civil Air Patrol? All right. I was in Civil Air Patrol because I always knew I was going in the Air Force, so that was my first step. I started in Civil Air Patrol. And... Um, I, I was in Civil Air Patrol, and I started hanging around these kids, and all they did was, they were all on the honor roll. I mean, that's all they did. It was, like, unacceptable to be anything less than honor roll. Well, here I am, the solid C student, you know. And, uh, but I started, because I hung around with them, I started emulating them. You're going to hang, you're, listen, the people you hang with are the people you're going to start acting like. So check around and see who you're hanging with. And so I started hanging with them. My next report card, after I was hanging out with them, I think my lowest grade was an 88. Everything else was 90s, up to a 98. My father and mother almost had a heart attack. I'm telling you, they'd never seen anything like it. My, my father, who was, we used to call him Mr. Spock, because he was very smart, he was very logical. My dad was very logical, not, not real emotional, and it had to make sense. And, you know, he saw it, and he put it on the refrigerator, which was a big act of, you know, a big deal for my dad to show that kind of... And um, he said, yep, now you just need to keep it up. I knew you had it in you. You know, and that, that was it. But see, but the thing, the, my point is... I started hanging around with people who had higher goals, who saw life differently, who opened up a world to me that I didn't realize was really there or that I was able to attain. And I rose to that level. That's what seeking first the kingdom of God is all about. You start emulating the Father. You start emulating Christ. And the things that are important to him start becoming the things that are important to you. Not because you're forcing it to happen, but like I said, it's just a natural progression. 
And so as you start seeking the kingdom of God and you start walking like he walks, talking like he talks, then the, the things that you need in your life, they start producing themselves. All right? If you are a person who always sees the glass half empty, if you're a person who sees everything through a negative light, then every situation you come into is going to be negative because that's all you see. You totally miss the glass half full part of the equation. That's why you can have two people, same situation, in the same place, one is successful, one is not. One is full of joy, one is full of bitterness. Because the way you view things determines everything. So seek ye first the kingdom of God. If you want health and healing in your life, you start seeking first the kingdom of God and you start to realize, you know what? Everybody that Jesus prayed for got healed. There's healing there. The, the word says that if I'm sick, to call on the elders of the church. Let them lay hands on me and pray the prayer of healing over me. There's healing there. The Bible says I can lay hands on people and pray and be healed. The Bible says that by his stripes I'm healed. There's all kinds of healing that's available to us as children of the Most High God. But see, if you don't see, start seeking after the kingdom of God, you don't realize all that's in there. You just think that you're destined to be sick and diseased, and that's just the way it's going to be. All right? But you start manifesting, you change the atmosphere. And it's not hocus pocus. All right? It's not magic. But when you start seeking first the kingdom of God, then all of a sudden you start opening your heart to the possibility that the Holy Spirit can actually come on in and start working in my life. See, before you were close to that idea, you didn't think you were worthy enough of it. You didn't think he loved you enough for it. But when you start seeking first the kingdom, you see all these things open up to you. You want prosperity, you want wealth, you want to be out of debt. Well, all good and perfect things come from the Father of lights. All things come from him. Deuteronomy says it is God who gives power to obtain wealth. Let me tell you, it's the love of money. I know you guys heard this. Money is not evil. People that are rich are not evil. It's the love of money. You better be thankful for the people that are rich. And you better be praying that they're givers. But the people that are rich are the reason why we have jobs. They're the reasons why a lot of charities and nonprofits are funded. And I've heard it before. Well, yeah, they're only giving it for tax break. Who cares why they're giving it? I mean, if they're given to, to the charity to feed poor people and they get attacked, I don't care. All right? I just know that Father is taking their money and he's using it to feed the poor. 
Okay, just pray that they come to know the Father and they'll be even more generous in the future. But you would be surprised. A lot of rich people are very, very generous. You just don't hear about it. You just don't know about it. But um, Proverbs says that wealth gained by dishonesty will diminish. But wealth gained by honest labor, that will increase. All right, the Bible has all kinds of things in here. Wealth is a great thing because with wealth, we cannot deny that the world operates on money, people. Our society that man has created, it operates on money. So money is not evil, it's the love of it. You can't let it grab a hold of your heart where that is your only focus. And that's the thing that controls you and that's the thing that makes you make your decisions. You have to be generous with it because the more you pour out, the more the Father pours to you because he knows that, that you're going to pour it out. You're not going to hoard it. You're not going to hold on to it. And the more you pour out, the more your needs are met, the more he pours into you. And it's wealth that we, the church can use to minister to those in need. Can't minister to those in need without money. At least not in our society. One day, maybe. But the... the and uh, the wealth of the wicked, the Bible says, is going to be turned over to the righteous. We say that and declare that every morning. We come in here and do our tithe and offering. And, you know, I had a person come against me once. It's quite an interesting situation. She posted on Facebook about me. And I don't, to this day, really know what I did to her. But she made some pretty outlandish claims about me. She said I was a witch and um, that I was conjuring up things, and just craziness. It's like, where would you even see that in my life anywhere? Like, where, how could you even come up with that? But, but, um, but one of the things she accused me of is reading our declaration and saying that this church wanted to steal, steal money from people that weren't saved. And that that's what I condoned, and that's what I wanted. And I was like, wow, you, missed, you totally missed the whole point of that right there. So for any of you who think that we want to steal money from people, <laughs> know that that is not the case. When we say that the wealth of the uh, wicked will be released to the righteous now, God is going to do that in a way where he's not, he's not going to devastate other people so that you can be wealthy. But what he will do is he will give you creative ideas. He will give you business plans. He will give you creative things that you can implement so that the wealth of those who don't know you want to come to you and purchase your product, buy your service, do business with you. That's how the wealth of the wicked get released to the righteous now. You get blessed, amen, with creative ideas and business plans and, and, and what you put your hand to prospers, okay? So let's just clear that up. Wisdom. We want wisdom. All right, well, look, I'm going to close with this because as I was researching this, 
you know, um, wisdom, the, in, in the Bible it says wisdom is more precious than rubies, right? The fear of the Lord is wisdom. Solomon asked for wisdom. It was wisdom to ask for wisdom. <laughs> but, you know, the Lord, what did, what did he want? And he said, I want wisdom. I want to be able to lead your people and have wisdom above all things. And the Lord was so pleased with his answer. He said, you know what? Not only am I going to give you wisdom, but I'm going to give you all the riches and everything else to go along with it. Because you, your heart was for my people. And your heart was to have the wisdom to lead my people. And so seeking first the kingdom of God, if that is your resolution this year, anything that you have need of or desire of, the Father has the answer. And he will open that answer up to you. And he will show you how to walk into it. And you don't have to try to make things work and put things in, in place. Let me tell you, I've, the, most time, the, the most blessings in my life have always come when I'm not striving after it. I'm not trying to move all the pieces around to put them in the right place. Because I always move the pieces to the wrong place. And I always say the wrong thing to the wrong person. Or something gets misinterpreted, right? But when I just lean back and say, Lord, you know what I need. Now, whatever, as I walk this path in life, as you open the doors, I'll walk through it. As you highlight something to me, I'll go in that direction. When I've been able to rest in the Lord enough to do that, that's when the greatest blessings have always come in my life. If you're striving and trying to beat somebody else out for promotion and get yourself seen, um, if you're trying to make a business deal and you're being a little shady about it, if you're trying to manipulate a relationship so you can get someone to like you, I'm telling you, those things are going to all fail. They're going to blow up in your face. They might not right away, but down the road, it will find you out. It always does. Just rest in the Lord and know that he sees the big picture. And he knows what piece to move when. And even when you don't understand it, you know that you know that you know that God is the, the God of, he's good. That he is supremely noble. And that he is a lover of the human race. But let me tell you about wisdom real quick because I came across this in Job and, and read it again and I was like, you know, this is really good and I'm just going to give this to him for free. Um, and then we're going to go ahead and close it out. And I think um, Karen's got it for me. It's a little lengthy, so I wanted <clears throat> her to put it on the screen. But it's Job 28.12. And really take heed to this because you know what? We're living in a world right now where people call themselves wise, and it's, it's foolishness. The things that we're hearing from scientists and doctors and all these people who have all the great degrees, and of course not all of them, so I don't want to lump everybody into one category, but the things that we're hearing, I mean, come on, a three-year-old knows better than some of the things they're saying. It just shakes your head.
She wants, you want to shake your head. But calling themselves wise, Romans says, they became fools. Not my words. But calling themselves wise, they became word, fools. <clears throat> so it's going to cost a price. Wisdom is going to cost you. All right, so Job 28, 12. We're going to start there. But where can wisdom be found? And where is the place of understanding? Man, do, man does not know its value, nor is it found in the land of the living. The deep says, it is not in me. And the sea says, it is not with me. It cannot be purchased for gold, nor silver can be weighed for its price. It cannot be valued in the gold of Ophir, in precious onyx or sapphire. Neither gold nor crystal can equal it, nor can it be exchanged for jewelry of, the fine, of fine gold. No mention shall be made of coral or quartz, for the price of wisdom is above rubies. The topaz of Ethiopia cannot equal it, nor can it be valued in pure gold. From where then does wisdom come? And where is the place of understanding? It is hidden from the eyes of all living and concealed from the birds of the air. Destruction and death say, we have heard a report about it with our ears. God understands its way and he knows its place. For he looks to the ends of the earth and sees under the whole heavens to establish a weight for the wind and apportion the waters by measure. When he made a law for the rain and a path for the thunderbolt, then he saw wisdom and declared it. He prepared it. Indeed, he searched it out. And to man he said, Behold, the fear of the Lord that is wisdom, and, depart, and to depart from evil is understanding. Man, that right there is worth the whole sermon, right there. So as we go forth in this new year, 2023, declare with me, it is going to be a great year. Amen. Because we are going to start seeking the kingdom of God and his righteousness. We are going to open our hearts to the voice of the Holy Spirit. We are going to let wisdom reign within us. And we are going to walk forth in power, in might, in wisdom, in joy, in compassion. Amen? Amen. Well, if you, if you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior or you doubt it at all, boy, let me tell you what, everything I spoke about today, that is what you can find in Christ. But you cannot find it outside of him. You may think you do. You may think you do. And it will last for a while, but only for a while. It's not eternal. Only what you find in Christ is eternal. Amen. And so if you don't know Jesus Christ, we're going to be up here to pray for you. I'm going to close in prayer. I'm going to get you out of here a little bit early. And, um, but if you don't know Christ, I would like you to come up here because we would certainly love to pray with you. 
If um, you want, need prayer for any reason at all, no matter how big or how small, come on up. Let us pray with you and touch and agree with you before you leave here today and start your new year off right. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. So, Father, I just thank you for your word today. I thank you that you are the lover of the human race, O oh God. I thank you, Father God, that all blessings and power are found in you, O oh God, and that you have had your son purchase them for us on the cross and that they are ours to receive. And so, Father, today as we go forth in 2023, we receive all that you have for us. We open our hearts to you, Holy Spirit. We say, come in, teach us, lead us, guide us, comfort us. Show us the ways of the Father. Jesus, help us to turn our eyes towards you, that we watch your walk, that we hear your voice, that you lead us and guide us. And Father, help us to see you as the loving Father whose arms we can run into at any time because you will always be there for us and you will never turn us away. We just thank you for all these things in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Amen.